Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I am Pastor Troy Richards, and along with me is Mr. Josh Humphreys. That's me. Thank you, Josh, for being here. Sock cap and all. It's, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it's uh, uh, it's really not that cold in it's in the studio, but uh, but Josh is dressed warmly. <laughs> but uh, welcome. We had a a great week of reading that we're going to talk about today. We had uh, we read from Ezekiel and Ezekiel the prophet. But we it's it takes us a while to get through Ezekiel. But you know, once we finish Ezekiel and get into Daniel and the others, it goes pretty. We're yep. coming to the end of the year. We're about ready to wrap up the Old Testament, we sure and are. Uh, we finish out Psalm 119 and go into Psalm 120, 121, and um, and even 122, 123, and 124. We knock out a lot of different Psalms yes. in this week's reading, and 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 they're really they were really good Psalms. I don't think we have anything to share from the Psalms, so that's kind of something you should read on your own. Mm-hmm. I, if you're going to start reading the Psalms. You don't have to start with Psalm 120, no. but uh, it's easy. So uh, they're, they're short. really encouraging psalms. They are encouraging psalms. Psalm 118 is a long, longest, right. longest chapter in the longest book of the Bible. So, um, so anyway, but Proverbs 28, uh, just little nuggets of wisdom that we pulled from. But the real meat, uh, Ezekiel has a lot of meat to it, but the real meat of this week's reading is in Hebrews. Yeah, it is some solid, in-depth. Uh, understanding of our theology of Christ mm-hmm. and uh, and how He is the Messiah yeah. uh, comes through in Hebrews. There are uh, if you are a person who loves to argue about whether <laughs> we have eternal security or not, uh, these chapters in Hebrews are kind of the bedrock of that argument. And uh, and that is uh, there are some passages and 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 depending on which way you are bent just a spoiler alert we are eternal security people Ooh. and uh, we are people who believe strongly in the doctrine of perseverance so yes. uh so anyway our yes when we read it we we believe it solidly stands behind that position even though we know other people disagree with us uh but <laughs> we uh we love uh to tackle those questions and things so uh mm-hmm. so anyway uh thanks for being with us we will come back and talk about what we got out of this week's reading when we return. Welcome back to the Understanding Jesus podcast. And we are looking at what we read in the previous week. And, uh, well, it was um, a very interesting week of reading in the book of Ezekiel. And uh, I wanted to share something from Ezekiel chapter 10. Uh, verses 9 through 13. It says, I looked, and there were four wheels beside the cherub, and one wheel beside each cherub. The luster of the wheels was like the gleam of beryl. In appearance, all four looked alike, like a wheel within a wheel. When they moved, they would go in any of the four directions without pivoting as they moved, but wherever their head faced, they would go in that direction without pivoting as they went. Their entire bodies, including their backs, hands, wings, and the wheels, that the four of them had were full of eyes all around. As I listened, the wheels were called the wheelwork. Each one had four faces. One was the face of a cherub, the second the face of a man, the third the face of a lion, and the fourth the face of an eagle. This is one of the most bizarre <laughs> things yeah, I ever what is read. Happening? It is, and Ezekiel, man, it was, it's such a challenge mm-hmm. when you pick it up because he starts with his wheel within the wheel kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, from the very beginning, and uh, and you know, and you, so you have this somebody who's describing something they're seeing, and this is where you get torn. It's like, 
are you actually saying these things or are you right. or are you describing something to as a metaphor for something yeah. that is but what that's what I always I, I wonder what is Ezekiel looking at? Was mm-hmm. I, I would just this is when you so bad just wish he had some type of camera uh, to, to take a picture of it to show you because it's like so is but well and I do believe Ezekiel is seeing it and yeah. he's describing what he's seeing. But my question is 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 God showing him these things so that it to you know because it's this is what I mean by this and mm-hmm. there's something yeah. in the meaning of the wheels and and uh, and the eyes and it's just you know he's just seeing this imagery that God is trying to give a deeper meaning mm-hmm. to support or is he literally are there are they literally vehicles like this that that the these these angels have right. these cherubs cherubs are angels and and so these cher- they have and uh, is that a real thing? Is this some yeah. type of like a sci-fi moment? Uh, and we mentioned sci-fi earlier, but that Josh is not a real sci-fi it guy. It just but adds to like the mystery and the like glory of God, honestly. It, it is, cool. it is. But I, when you're a person who, right. um, when you read in the Bible, and, and we do, we have this uh, as people, mm-hmm. this infatuation with uh, alien encounters. Right. And even angelic encounters. Remember, mm-hmm. I, do you remember the show Touched by an Angel? Does that? You remember that show? No. You ever heard of it before? I've never yeah. heard of it. Oh, there was a show that came out when you were very, very young, if, if even <laughs> though you were, even if you were born, uh, called "Touched by an Angel." And every week, uh, it was these angels who interacted with people, and they would have a story. And and "Highway to Heaven" was another one with Michael Landon. You ever heard of "Little House on the Prairie"? Yes. Okay, the guy, the dad on "Little House on the Prairie," uh-huh. as he got older, right. had another show called "Highway to Heaven." And he was an angel kind of thing. But that was it was a big deal back huh. in the 80s, early 90s, uh, these angel shows. Yeah, I wasn't and, alive. Uh, they were very family-friendly. I know. <laughs> uh, but they were, but they're, they, they, they're out there. You right. can watch them if you, on cable or whatever. But, the, um, but it was a big thing to think of because uh, the Bible even says, you know, be careful because you may be entertaining angels right. unaware. Right. So, um, uh, but here in Ezekiel, you have these encounters that, uh, that add, it's not just angelic encounters. You have some type of vehicle right. that's, uh, that's thrown in. And and of course they don't have, they don't have cars they don't have helicopters mm-hmm. they don't have all the different things but they also don't have the um, with the advent of cars and mm-hmm. and planes and spaceships and things or rocket rocketry and so forth that we have it has fueled our imagination to think ah this is these are conceivable things so when we mm-hmm. go to the movies and so forth you have all types of vehicles that come forth. And you just wonder if Ezekiel had access to that type of imagination, how would he describe, you know, those things right. today? Right. Because he's using the things that he has in his world right. to describe what he's looking at. Oh. But it's like, what would he? How would he describe it? Were he were he a Star Trek fan? Right. <laughs> you know, right. And, and seeing different uh, conceptualizations of that. But uh, I just so so when I read it, I do have those that repertoire of or that um, those those things and so i'm reading it and trying to think what would this look like and what would its purpose be you know behind it and how uh, so if you're a filmmaker out there man writing do making a film on the book of ezekiel i'd be i would love to see how that would play out in your yeah. imagination but you know aside from all that um that i can't um uh, you know, you got Ezekiel here with his original UFO sighting um, <laughs> and and trying to play it out uh, with then all of that. 
uh, it is a glory of God kind right. of revelation that it is that it is that he's having this otherworldly mm-hmm. experience and God is coming to him and giving him a message because he's he's yeah, I mean think of it in, in his place think of uh, and we have this elsewhere in scripture you have prophets who are having these moments uh, especially in Revelation with mm-hmm. the with John they're having these moments and they're trying to describe the setting where they're receiving the right, message that right. they're going to receive and how overwhelming that would be. It's like you're having this encounter. And I think the, the overwhelming thrust of it is that God wanted them to know that it, this is from God, right. that this is, is so far beyond anything you've experienced or known that, that I am, that I am the Lord and I have a message for you mm. to give to the people. And so I'm going to pull the veil back. Right, I'm going to let right. you see. You know, it's like that moment with Elisha and Gehazi where mm-hmm. he has this, um, where he has the angel warriors, you right. know, right. where the oh, armies yeah, are yeah, coming yeah. to get him or whatever. And and he's like, why are you not afraid? Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, you know, Lord, open his eyes so he can see. Right. And all of a sudden you see the whole, right. I mean, those are just, those are things that are like, that excites me. Yeah, that's It's like, cool. because it makes me realize that, uh, you know, when we're struggling with our faith and struggling mm-hmm. with, you know, I wish people could see or people, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's why Jesus said, you know, blessed are those who believe and don't see, you know, who can't see these right. things um, for whatever reason. You know, and, and this is in our own movies and, and literature and so forth. Uh, when we were talking about um, why, why can't I see, why can't I know, why can't you reveal these things, even within basic human understanding, uh, when we have more information, when we know more, it affects our decision-making. It affects yeah. what we're doing. Uh, it actually hinders our mm-hmm. faith a lot of times. And so God, in his ultimate wisdom, right. reveals to us what we need revealed mm-hmm. to get us to do that which we need right. to do in order to get where he needs us to get, to be who he wants mm-hmm. us to be. And uh, and we just have to trust that uh, that all that is necessary for his for his greatest glory and for our greatest good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that was, I wanted to comment on that. Just yeah. the, the mystery of the like imagery that we read and stuff mm-hmm. for us, it may seem confusing, but like God's a clear God, like he is clear. And so when those messages like were delivered to prophets, they, I mean, they delivered those messages. They, mm. they had that clarity from the Lord. And that's just crazy. Cause it's like, we try to read it and we're like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, but, for um, Ezekiel, that's that has to have been a, a clear message to him to to share with people, and that's through all the prophets. Yeah, which yeah. is crazy to think of, because it's like I don't know, I don't know what wheels with eyes meant, like, but <laughs> right in Ezekiel's understanding, he knew, uh, and just in general with yeah. all the prophets, and he's trying to um, trying to write it down. Right, right. Yeah, that's crazy to me. Yeah, it had to make a big impact on him because right. he wouldn't have written it down otherwise. Right. So. Anyway, well, I'm in Hebrews all of today, Ooh. and um, I've been I've been walking through Hebrews for probably the past two three months, and so I'm excited to like dive into just like what we've been going through and rereading it helps me remember like even what's really has stuck out to me. And today's um, the first one is in Hebrews six chapter ten. And this is what it says: For God is not unjust; He will not forget how hard you have worked for Him. And how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. And I'm telling you, this is one of the most impactful things I have read this year. Um, 
because this year for me has just been a roller coaster of emotions and events and life impactful things, sicknesses. Like for me, this year has just been up and down and up and down and up and down and discouraging and encouraged. There's just so much that has happened. And um, I get so discouraged in life and wonder where God is in those moments. Um, it's so hard for me to endure, like to keep pushing. And when my parents had COVID and when I had COVID and when they were in the hospital and, and just all this stuff, it was hard for me to endure while also pouring out my life here at the church or doing the youth stuff or spending time with them and discipling and all of that stuff just gets hard and it's hard to endure um, in those moments. And when I read this about a month ago, that's where I was at. And the Lord pulled me off the ground with this verse um, and the cool thing is, is as life goes on, our mission remains the same of loving people that never changes. And so if you're in that spot, don't give up. Um, God has not and will not forget the work that you do, have done, and will continue to do for him because we have an inheritance that may not be on this earth, but it is coming. And so um, there's a, a devotional. Um, I have a new Bible. It's called the Filament Bible app. It's really cool. Um, you can scan the page and it brings you up these devotions. And when I was reading through Hebrews um, last month, when I was reading this passage, I, I look, picked up one of the devotions that was on there on my phone. And it's by Mark Norton. And he, and he speaks on this passage. And this is what he says. It is easy to get discouraged thinking God has forgotten us, but mm -hmm. God is never unjust. He never forgets or overlooks our hard work for him. Presently, you may not be receiving rewards and acclaim, but God knows about your efforts of love and service. Let God's love for you and his intimate knowledge of your service for him bolster you as you face disappointment and rejection here on earth. And I read that and my, I just was in awe of God because that's how I felt, just being rejected on earth and all this stuff. But being reminded, he's the, he's the intimate father and the all-knowing God, and he has an inheritance for us. And so that's, that's just where it really hit me again this week as I remembered back when I was reading through that, that, that just moment of he's still God and he loves me. And it's, it was just so good. Mm. And you know, those are things that you've had revealed to you before, but it's like, it's so important mm -hmm. to have that come back around. Yeah. Right. Just the right. Yeah. Time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things I like about, I love about reading through the Bible every mm -hmm. year is I, it, and I, I used to think I needed to offset you know, like I don't need, I don't want to read the same thing each time because right. I, I want to, I want to um, have a different experience each time. But, uh, but really it's, it, God works it out. He works mm -hmm. it out to where I'm always where I need to be in that passage yeah. every year, yeah. even though it comes around the same time. And, you know, I, I read other things, I read other, right. I read other parts of the Bible for other reasons, different places. But, right. um, but yeah, it's always, and it is, it is amazing. I always need to hear whatever it is at that same time. Yeah, it's so cool. I'm back in Ezekiel since you're in Hebrews <laughs> and um Ezekiel 14. I don't know why I didn't save my place there when I was there earlier. <laughs> now I'm having to turn flip through. There. Um but um Ezekiel 14 um verses 12 verse 12 starting with verse 12 it says the word of the Lord came to me son of man suppose a land sends against me by acting faithfully faithlessly and I stretch out my hand against it to cut off its supply of bread to send famine through it and to wipe out both man and animal from it even if these three men Noah Daniel and Job were in it they would rescue only themselves by their righteousness this is the declaration of God 
Suppose I allow dangerous animals to pass through the land and depopulate it so that it becomes desolate with no one passing through it for fear of the animals. Even if these three men were in it, as I live, the declaration of the Lord God, they could not rescue their sons or daughters. They alone would be rescued, but the land would be desolate. And um, and as Ezekiel goes on through this uh, declaration of judgment, um, I, I find it so fascinating. He chooses these three people mm-hmm. uh, to say these are men of faith. One, Daniel's a contemporary of Ezekiel. He is somebody that Ezekiel would, uh, I mean, Daniel just predates Ezekiel like 20 or 30 years. So this means Daniel's fame has already risen to the point of faithfulness. So he's he's drawing in this person. Job, of course, one of the oldest books of the Bible uh, is someone that they would be familiar with in his faithfulness. And then you have Noah. Uh, but it's not as much as he chose these three as much as it is the people he didn't choose, uh, and uh, which yeah. would be Abraham, right, right. strikes me, and, and, and Isaac, Jacob, uh, Moses. Uh, so there's some, some pretty heavy hitters there. Right. Um, and But there is some importance to it in that uh, you have uh, Noah, who is a man who is there when the world did come to an end, uh, that Noah's faithfulness, that God preserved him, that Job uh, was highlighted by God to say, uh, have you considered my servant Job and underwent all types of difficulty and, yeah. and persecution and so forth. And so God and God uh, rewarded him and to show him as a person of penultimate faith. Um, and Daniel, a, a person who uh, was tested, you know, oh, by and, and found uh, faithful in uh, the exile. So, so these three men who have proven their worthiness and saying, even if these three people were here with you mm-hmm. now, they couldn't save you. Wow. Uh, I would not spare. You know, when he, when he came to Abraham and said, I'm going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham said, well, what if there's some righteous people in there? Mm-hmm. And, it, and remember, he starts with 50 and he right, narrows it right. down to 10. And God says, if there's 10 righteous people, I'll spare the." Mm-hmm. the and, and here you have Ezekiel saying, if there were three, uh, these three men of faith. God's still not going to relent. Right. In fact, he's going to judge everybody but them. That's crazy. And he's going to spare them. And then he goes on to say, I wouldn't even spare their children. Mm. And and see, so that's that thought of, well, if my parents are faithful. Yeah. And and God's and and through, in other places in Ezekiel, he's saying, I'm, I'm not going to judge another man for the sins of his father. This is a, a incredible theological point that he brings out here that. We are not held responsible for the sins of right. our parents. Right. We're not held responsible for the sins of our children. We're held responsible for what we do. Mm-hmm. And uh, and God is just reiterating that. I'm not judging you because of what your parents did or what your children do. I'm judging you for what you did. Mm-hmm. But if you are faithful, then yes, I will spare you, but I will not mm-hmm. spare anyone else as a result of it because the judgment is going to come. Um, and, and so that's, it's not that they aren't going to experience pain and difficulty, but, but he said, if I did spare anybody, I would spare them, but you're not going to get, so it's mm-hmm. like, so it doesn't matter how good your king is. doesn't matter right, how good right. your, this person is. And, you know, I, I, and I think that for us today, sometimes we get to thinking, well, if we had this right president or if we mm-hmm. had this right, yeah. uh, Supreme court justice, the difficulties that we are facing are not because we have a bad president. Right. The difficulties we are facing are not because we have don't have the right people in the Supreme Court or wrong people in Congress. The difficulties we're facing are because of our own sin. Right. Because of our right. own inability to be faithful to what God has called us mm-hmm. to do. 
and uh, and there is a and not only just us but that is spread out so our mm-hmm. churches are struggling because of our churches not being right. faithful our communities are struggling because of our communities not being faithful and so that that spreads out you don't have to go it's not like we look and say oh look our community is perfect and yet we're suffering because of things congress is doing mm-hmm. no no there's sin all around right. us and in our homes and in our own lives and so that is why we're facing the difficulties were, and we're not even. I mean, we're we're starting to see the difficulties of it. You can see God withdrawing His hand, but um, we have that there is much more wrath to come if uh, if we do not repent. Mm-hmm. That's so, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm in Hebrews again in chapter nine, kind of an overview, but an emphasis on verse eleven and twelve. And this is what it says: it "says So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that." greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. And this is such good news. Like just, and it goes back to, if you don't have an understanding of the Old Testament, this wouldn't really make sense at this point when you're reading through Hebrews because there's so much packed in to verses, well, chapter 9 in general, it is so important what's being said here. Now, if you were a Jewish person at that point, you would know what all of this means. We would know what the tabernacle is. We would know what the sacrificial system is. We would know what the point of the high priest was. Hmm. They have that understanding. Now, we should understand that as well as modern-day believers because we have the Old Testament and we can look back on what all that meant. But um, basically what's happening in Hebrews chapter 9 Um, what they're doing is they're um, kind of overviewing what the old covenant was. They talked about what the priest did, what the blood was for, why the the tabernacle was important. All of this stuff, they they cover all of that. But then at the end of Hebrews 9, what whoever the writer is, is going back and saying is, hey, listen, the old covenant was sufficient for the time, but not forever. The old priests were sufficient for the time, but not forever. The animal blood was was sufficient for the time, but not forever. And the old tabernacle was sufficient for the time, but not forever. And so what he's saying now is our new covenant is forever. Muted, mediated by our forever high priest, the covenant is completed by the blood that lasts forever and the heavenly everlasting tabernacle once for all, forever, for all his people. Mm. And that, like, the magnitude of just that alone, this forever eternal um, high priest, tabernacle, blood, all of that is good news for everyone that we're not tied to the old co- to the old covenant where the blood doesn't last more than a day or, or whatever it may be. Right. This is such good news that Jesus is this high priest and the holy tabernacle with his everlasting blood for his people forever. And I read that and once I had gotten to the end of Hebrews 9 and just zoomed out to see what the point of it was, it blew my mind because it's like, whoa, that's huge. Like, right. that's huge news, and it's good news for all people. Right. And that's why the book is called Hebrews is because he is writing to a group of people who he's trying to uh, definitively mm-hmm. show that the temple the temple era is over. Right. That God has brought it to a conclusion that He f- has fulfilled it in mm-hmm. Christ. That all mm-hmm. these, all these things that He was setting up, setting up, 
uh, in the Old Testament and in the law and with Moses and so forth, the tabernacle itself, that the even the instruments within the tabernacle, mm-hmm. the the holy of holies, right. the altar, the uh, the sacrificial system, that all these things were foreshadowing mm-hmm. um, what God was going to do in mm-hmm. order to completely um, eliminate um, our penalty for sin, and so so yeah. that we could be granted forgiveness of sin. And again, the blood of these animals was not what was covered our sin. It was mm-hmm. that it was he was showing that blood needs to be shed. Right. It's interesting that he never required a human mm-hmm. to give blood or use mm-hmm. human blood in order to show that 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 it was the blood of these animals uh that being sacrificed because the blood of the animals wasn't effective right um but um but and there and our blood was not sufficient nor, nor was the animals right. but he didn't sacrifice any people uh in order to make that point the only person who was ever sacrificed for sins was Jesus I love the part in I think it's verse 11 it says which was not made by human's hands and is not part of this created world like yeah. even in this perfection this like nothing's old anymore but when we look at this new none of it is created by human hands it's by god and that is just like again this inheritance that we're getting is good and we're not tied to the old anymore but it's new and it's good and it's holy and it's perfect and it's forever and it's eternal and it's made by god for his people he will be our god and we will be his people and he has done this for us and like oh it is just so Cool. Yeah, and and the and there's such an Im- important point in that mm-hmm. the not made by human hands. He's he's saying that the, because they were struggling with that the temple still mm-hmm. and saying you know well, we still need to go to the temple. We still need to uh, you know s- follow this uh, this priesthood, follow the the law. Mm-hmm. And and he's saying look, those were just things that we created right, to right. represent that which mm-hmm. is in heaven yeah. and and now that we have Christ who says you know uh, he is the temple yeah. and and so that this is not so this is not cool. a building uh God is not contained by a building we just created a building to, you know, to demonstrate the glory right. of God and so forth but there's no need for the building anymore because we have the fuller revelation of Christ and and sadly i think we've we've reverted back to trying to create things mm-hmm. that are necessary in yeah. order for us to worship and and thinking let's let's make this thing something and then and then we begin to want to worship that and and it's like because we we want something tangible we want we, mm-hmm. you know people want a picture of jesus or right. they want a, a an image of jesus right. or 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 even a cross can become uh, more than what it was meant to be. Right. Um, right. You know, it's, it's it's different if you have a symbol or as a reminder or something. But when you put up the cross in a place where you're going to bow and 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 look or touch or mm-hmm. feel or whatever, that's God prohibits that. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, 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 no. You don't make images no. to represent me. Um, that I am. Uh, anyway, I'm not some because you made that with your hands mm-hmm. yeah. and you created something. That's what idolatry is. Right. Uh, and and so th- yeah, that's the thing that we are worshiping is uh, is is real, yeah. and we are not to try to recreate mm-hmm. it. Um, and so yeah, that's um, that's that's kind of foundational. Anyway, that's uh, it is something that, uh, funny that we have to be reminded of that, but. Yeah. Um, anyway, good deal. All right, thank you, Josh. We are going to uh, deal with a couple of questions uh, when we return uh, from the reading, so please come back. Welcome back to the Understanding Jesus podcast. We are in this segment 
dealing with some questions uh, from the reading that we had uh, in the previous week. Josh is going to share with us the first of two questions. Yes. Okay. So, Melchizedek was brought up in our reading this week. Now, for any of us who don't know who Melchizedek is, he was brought up in the book of Genesis Mm -hmm. to Abraham. Right. And he's a mysterious figure. Um, And then he's brought up in Hebrews again. And Mm -hmm. who is Melchizedek? Because we know he's some sort of priest. He is also in um, the song, the hymn, I Love Thee. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's Salem's, he somewhere else he's in the Salem's bright king. Is so. he in the minor or major prophets? One time, um, Daniel. He is in Psalms oh, one ten. Yeah. Okay. Um, the um, yeah. So who is this guy? Who is this guy? Can we call him uh, Melchizedek? He is a uh, well. He, he is uh, mysterious. Some people think he is the pre-incarnate Christ. Um, some people believe he is an actual person uh, that uh, is uh, was of the of a priesthood. Uh, we know that Abraham uh, treats him as a priest, um, and and so that's why the writer of Hebrews says that Jesus comes from the priesthood of Melchizedek, because Jesus, being our high priest, can't be our high priest according to the tribe of Levi. And, mm-hmm. and God says in the law that all priests have to come from Aaron, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, the and the Levitical, the tribe of Levi, were the ones who were given care of the, the temple and uh, the tabernacle and on the articles thereof. But the priesthood itself comes from the line of Aaron and his sons. Um, and so Jesus is not from the line of Aaron and his sons, so how can he be priest? Well, the author of Hebrews makes the theological point that uh, Jesus comes from a order outside of the priesthood mm-hmm. that predates Abraham. And, uh, and so this would be the order of Melchizedek. And since Abraham is righteous, recognizes the priesthood of Melchizedek, that this is then um, something that goes beyond uh, Levitical boundaries. And so, and in the same way that Melchizedek has a, you know, I'm not really don't know his beginning or his ending or whatever, that Jesus fits into that order. So it's really just trying to make the case that, yes, even though Jesus isn't of the tribe of Levi, he very much... Um, is an authentic and authoritative mm-hmm. priest. So that's cool. Yeah, it is cool. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, it's, it's Hebrews five. In case you're wondering where we're at, and it's yeah. a very cool passage to to read through and just see the importance of this new priesthood or whatever. It's not new, but anyway, yes, different. Okay. Mm-hmm. So my next question is something you mentioned in our intro today was you were talking about Jesus being called the Messiah, and we have names for Jesus like. Christ and mm-hmm. we have Messiah and what what does that mean what does it mean that he's Messiah well Messiah comes from a Hebrew word a Mashiach which is uh, means anointed one or the chosen one uh, the Greek word for Mashiach is Christos and so um, that's why we when we say called Jesus Jesus the Christ uh, we are using the Greek uh, to get our English word uh, but really the Greek word is just the Greek interpretation of a Hebrew word, which is Messiah. So Christ and Messiah are literally the same exact word. Uh, so when you say Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, you are saying exactly the same thing. Uh, some people choose to say um, um, Mashiach, but if you really want to be English, then you would say the anointed one or chosen one, Jesus the anointed one or Jesus the chosen. Uh, those are, so when you think of the movie, the chosen, that literally is in English, the Messiah. Um, so 
the idea is that uh, there, throughout the Old Testament, there is one who is a, like Mo- Moses kind of starts it saying there's going to be this future prophet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is a future priest mm-hmm. uh, that's brought to us in the Old Testament. Uh, then there is this future king of the line of mm-hmm. David and so forth. And so the Messiah becomes this prophet, priest, and king uh, that is going to come and restore Israel. Uh, and uh, and so they begin to look forward to a day when uh, this person, Isaiah, kind of paints him out to be a suffering servant and and shows that he is, uh, Lisa, he's going to be persecuted, ultimately crucified. Um, and so, uh, so you have all these Old Testament leanings toward this person who's going to be this. And, uh, and then uh, it, it kind of leans in that it is going to be the Son of God. And there is uh, some evidence that they see that this anointed one, this chosen one, could be God himself. And, uh, and that, those are things that um, we have put together after the fact, more so than they probably were putting together uh, before the fact. Uh, the uh, but um, you know it's like it's like you they they knew these prophecies and and you know and and were trying to piece together what all this would be like. Kind of like us looking forward, trying to figure out what's going to look like when Jesus returns. You know, is he going to be literally on a white horse and is he going to come you know in this place in this way and so forth. Um, but um, but the the cool part for us is is through the revelation we have of Christ, we can look back at the Old Testament and go, oh my goodness, look at all these passages, how they're pointing to this, uh, some of which are fulfilled in his original coming, some that are yet to be fulfilled. Uh, and that's kind of the the helpful part of Revelation is Revelation is saying, ah, these things that haven't been done yet, mm-hmm. they are going to be done. Uh, so that all the things that Daniel talked about and that Ezekiel talked about, that these things will finally be accomplished in uh, in Christ. But he is the one whom God has appointed to judge the living and the dead. He is the anointed one, the Messiah, um, and, and reveals himself to be so, even though he was... Um, crucified Mm -hmm. he shows oh no this is something that was always supposed to have happened um but there's so much more in that uh he is resurrected from the dead and conquers death right uh and um you know and that's uh that's the that's the thing when you have this moment with jesus and his disciples Mm -hmm. and say who do people say that i am and mm. and they say oh this they say you're John the Baptist they say you're Elijah right. they say you're this that you know prophet whatever and he says well who do you say I am and then Peter says you are the Christ you are the Messiah Whoa. and uh, you are the you are the chosen one wow. the anointed one and he says uh, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you mm. you know this is the that's God cool. God has opened your eyes to see that right. that's who I am and uh, it's, a, it's cool. a powerful moment yeah and, you, don't, you don't realize yeah. that unless you understand what that word means yeah. I I was thinking through when you were talking about it, just about when Jesus is baptized and the voice mm. from heaven speaks, this is my beloved. Like, yes, that is a moment. Like, again, yeah. that's a really important moment in yeah. that storyline of this is who Jesus Christ is. Yeah. He is the beloved. He is the chosen one, which is the anointed. really cool. Yeah. And, um, and when, um, and when Mary comes in and mm-hmm. pours out the, the spikenard, the, the, yeah. the, and the alabaster, yeah. you know, jar uh, upon him and so forth, anointing him for his death or whatever, but she is also anointing him as 
the Messiah. You know, he is the anointed wow. one. So, yeah. That yeah. is so cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. So he, uh, but he delivers us, you know, they were expecting him to deliver them from the, 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 the reason why they're laying down the palm branches and, and, you know, it's, and this is a, a when we get to Easter, it's a thing that uh, I overlooked this for years and years. And when Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, um, that the people who are laying down the palm branches and crying out that he is the anointed one, that he is the chosen, um, they're the ones who are from uh, Galilee. Mm-hmm. They're the people of Jerusalem are like, <laughs> right, right, whatever. Right, right. He's not the anointed one. He's not the chosen one. So they're so you have two different groups of people, mm-hmm. and and so while you get this picture in your head of this crowd yes. that are all celebrating who he is, no, it's it's the people who have been with him, mm-hmm. watching him make blind people see, watching him bring people back from the dead, watching him do all these miraculous things. Mm -hmm. The people who are in Jerusalem, they're like, "Ah, those are just stories, myths, you know. Well, which is why they say, Hosanna, save us. Like, they know who they're talking to. Yeah, they do. Right. And so they're, they're saying... Our guy, our guy, this guy who's from Galilee, you know, the son of Nazareth, uh, he is the chosen one. Right. Well, when you recognize that it would be, you know, you're in Jerusalem uh, and it'd be like a bunch of people, mm-hmm. like being in New York City, a bunch of people from Arkansas coming in and saying, hey, yeah. we have the, the promised yeah. one. Right. They're right. like, you bunch of redneck hicks, yeah, you know, you, you, no even, well, they may have been financially affluent, but it, but, but whatever the case, they didn't, they didn't think they had the spiritual knowledge right. or the, the understanding right. of the word to say, what are you? you crazy people coming up with now, you know, and very, very uh, skeptical of these claims and so forth, which is why they began testing him mm-hmm. immediately uh, and and uh, and then ultimately killing him. Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, and because they're and the people who brought him in are like extremely disappointed because right. they were like, he's going to come in. Watch what he's going to do. And mm-hmm. then he doesn't do what they think he's going to do. Which Judas then becomes so discouraged about, he betrays him. Yeah. You know, it's like we we were thinking you were going to come in, become the king, mm-hmm. set us all up in these positions of authority. Right. Right. And now you're you're messing it all up. Right. And and that nobody believes you're the Messiah. Right. And uh, and so it's like this is this is all you know. This is not what we signed up for. Hence Pilate's and, confusion of, I, I don't yeah. understand what's yeah, like, what, what what's the, going on. What are all you talking about? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. This is craziness. And so, so anyway, it, it became a, it became something that got, and then confusion sets in, and, yeah. and people, um, again, and then you have crowds of people shouting, "Crucify yeah. him!" Um, and so That's it just, crazy. Uh, yeah, it all turns. But it was all. But what they didn't understand that then was revealed to us is that ah, he was not delivering us from Rome alone he was delivering us from death that's crazy yeah and wow. so yeah set us all free hmm. the whole world not that's just all i had is questions there. troy well, good good well that's all i've got an answer so uh <laughs> that's been good it's been good this is i love this part of the reading is very ezekiel and hebrews mm-hmm. such solid stuff so um so anyway uh thank you for joining us on the understanding jesus podcast as always if you ever have questions or concerns you can always contact us go to our website check us out fbcj.us and learn more about us and and uh, you can find all the podcasts and past sermons and things like that uh but uh, we're here to try to help you grow in your understanding of jesus which is why we call it that but anyway join us again uh next time for understanding jesus